Welcome to On the Line, a podcast for tennis players, coaches, and fans. I'm your host, Jenny Robb. Today on the line, we have Jeff Chanley, Director of Tennis of Atlanta Athletic Club. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for uh, asking me to be on the show. I'm excited about it. <laughs> now, um, where are you from originally? Originally, I'm from East Tennessee, a small town uh, called Marstown. Oh, okay. in Tennessee. It's about uh, 30 miles east of Knoxville, but uh, a very small town and a very small tennis town, to be honest with you. All right. And did you play other sports growing up aside from tennis? Um, when did you I, when did you zero in on tennis? Well, I grew up uh, in East Tennessee. You played football, baseball, and, and my dad was a big golfer, so uh -huh. uh, we played golf also. But from the second grade on uh, to uh, my senior high school, I played football. Uh -huh. uh, play, I played baseball for a while, uh, and then again, always had a golf club around. Um, <laughs> just to single out when I really started playing tennis, I, uh, I dated a girl my junior year of high school, and her brother played for North Carolina State. Oh, so okay. in the summer, I uh, started hitting tennis with him just fun um, mm -hmm. I think when she was working or he and I were just hanging out with him. and kind of started really enjoying playing tennis and one-on-one -on -one and getting the uh, the physical activity from it and uh, so played football that season and uh, in the spring we usually had spring football practice but since I was a senior I didn't have that spring practice, so the freshman football coach was the tennis coach, and uh, I decided that I would try out for this little high school tennis team and talk my way onto it and made the <laughs> team. And so that was my that was my first real uh, introduction to competitive tennis. That is so cool. Now, how would you say that your experiences with the other sports um, helped prepare you, or, or if it did or didn't? Uh, for your experience with tennis? Well, I think what it did, what I fell in love with was tennis was it was all on me. It was not mm -hmm. a team sport mm -hmm. at the time. And I struggled with that because right. I was whole as a team player. And now everything was on me, win, loss. I couldn't blame anybody. I couldn't mm -hmm. take the glory, you know, <laughs> but I could. But, uh, <laughs> but it didn't quite work out that way. But um, so, you know, that was the appealing part, but that was also the struggle part um, for me was it was one-on-one -on -one and I was learning the game and being that old in, in age-wise compared to some of the other young guys that mm -hmm. were actually playing tennis there, they didn't want to play with me because I was a at that time an 18 year old learning how to play tennis, and they were had been playing and taking lessons for years, and so I spent a lot of lonely time learning the game, <laughs> practicing my serve by myself <laughs> or hitting on the wall. Oh sure, oh sure. You know, and I think that word lonely is is one that maybe isn't used enough uh, when we talk about tennis. It is very lonely out there. I grew up playing um, team sports before I started 
uh, really getting more serious with tennis as well. And it, it does get pretty lonely out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and nobody else in my family played, even mm. though everybody, my brother was a great athlete. Sure. Uh, my dad was a super athlete. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, nobody else played. And so I didn't have that support even they had the support don't get me wrong but i just uh -huh. didn't have the audience that often because they were doing their thing and i mm -hmm. I, I was slowly falling in love with tennis so it's oh, wow it, it was lonely i think my th this will give you back then <laughs> the usta had a 21 and under division oh wow yeah and so my first sanctioned tournaments because of my age i had to play the 21 and unders so I was out of the 18s and 19, and now I'm playing guys that were in college. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, it, it was a year before I won a match. I mean, it oh, was, I, 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 I still it. to this wow. day am shocked that I continued to play, but I just loved getting better and, and challenging myself. And so, uh, yeah, I went a whole year. I tell my students, my juniors, that all the time, that when they lose one little league match, and I'm like, <laughs> I went a whole year of traveling to tournaments and never winning a match. Think about that. So that that is that is such a, a important sort of testament to the grit that you know and the dedication and commitment that it takes, and and sort of the love of learning oh, the yeah. game as well. I mean, you know, I'll never forget that the first tournament I ever played, I had taken a couple of little lessons from like a friend of our family and. We went and played this little tournament, and I lost 0-0, 0-0. Didn't win a game. Not one game. Oh. <laughs> Got rounded and yeah. out. I'm, I'm sitting in the back seat of the car. I'm crying, and my parents are like, are you sure you want to do this again? And I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah. And, like, and, you know, and I'm sure my parents are like, why? <laughs> you, know? yeah. you didn't win a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, and that's, I was right there with you. And then you, you start winning one game and you, you start chipping away at it and you go, then the next thing you know, it's a set. And then, and then you know, then it's a, you might win a match. And then who knows, you may get a couple rounds in. And, and then the next thing is you want to, you won a tournament. I mean, it's it's a it's a crazy great sport. Let me tell you. Oh my goodness! Now I can't imagine that you know starting as a senior in in high school and and going through a year of not winning any matches. I mean, did you have any inkling then that that tennis was going to be the industry for your career? I mean, how did that no, how did that happen? No, <laughs> no. Well, it it uh, it really. At the time that I was graduating from high school, and I had football scholarships, I, mm -hmm. I had scholarships to small schools, and I had been mm -hmm. broken my collarbone twice, dislocated oh, my shoulder, you know, mm -hmm. there's, I'd been injured, but that was just a part of playing football. And mm -hmm. So my senior year, um, these scholarships were up, and my dad needed for me to, to take the scholarship. He did not, sure. he could not afford at that time to sure. send me to school. Yep. And when I told him that I was not going to play any more football, they actually even wanted me to go over to Knoxville since I, I had to lay out my junior year of football to go. Knoxville, which would have been an hour in the morning, mm -hmm. going to school, practice football, come back and study and then do it again. Gosh. And so I said we had a junior college there in Marstown called Walter State. Uh -huh. And they were they were ranked regionally, not necessarily nationally. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to figure out another way. I told my dad, I'll figure out another way to pay for my college. So I went over there and talked to the coach, Judy Morgan. Mm -hmm. 
And I said, if I make this team, I need a scholarship, a full ride. And she said, well, I only have so many, so you have to play, you know, one to four. And luckily, I made it to where I was fourth on the team, and she gave me a full ride. Wow. And so that's, that was that was cool, going to Walker yeah. State and doing that. Uh, then we qualified. We did well in the regions, and we qualified for the nationals. So we went down to Waco, Texas, drove a van. Oh, wow. Six guys and one female coach. <laughs> and yeah, back in the late 70s. Wow. Drove down to Waco, Texas. I'll show you how old I am. Of course, <laughs> beer was not across the Mississippi yet. So, <laughs> so we get to Waco, Texas, and it's a bunch of East Tennessee boys playing guys that played Junior Davis Cup for their country and were and went to Tyler Junior College right. and all those. Places. Wow! And uh, we got spanked. <laughs> we got spanked. But since the state was paying for it, we were there for the whole week. So I just would go back to the courts while everybody else laid around the pool and just watch these guys play. And I said, I'll never come back to a national tournament and, and get spanked like that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I laid out of school the next year and just played tournaments. That's all I did. My parents wow. and work, of course, went back to Walter State and uh, qualified again for the nationals and had a good run and uh was able to again had to find a school that would pay everything and right. uh, was blessed enough that uh, Trevecca Nazarene College in Nashville oh yes who competed, yeah who competed with like the Belmonts and Lipscombs yep. back then yep and uh coach Smith picked me up and said if you make the team you know I'll give you a full full ride and so uh uh made the team and wow. played finished out two years there so that's awesome that yeah. that really really is wow, I mean yeah. that that's that I feel, I feel like we could do the whole podcast just about just about that. <laughs> there's there's a lot going into that. That's well, and I'm really telling cool. you, Jenny, my, my whole tennis career, every day I walk in, I feel blessed because you you think about I uh, it, and then after let me back up after Trevaca, which was a, which was a great experience. Um, sure. Um, a guy in Nashville named Peter Van Lingen, one of the best coaches I think I've ever been around. He was a Davis Cup player for South Africa. Mm -hmm. He had wins over Stan Smith and Arthur Ashe and, and all of that. And he was coaching there. And I was working in a pro shop at a small club in Nashville called Nashville Village. Yep. He said, I'm getting ready to move to a club called Westside. Do you want to learn this business? <laughs> I, and I had no, I was coming out with a business degree and not sure what I was going to do. Okay. And so we went over to Westside and I was his flunky and everything else for five <laughs> years. But this guy, you know, this guy was so far ahead of the game with how he learned it and right. how he studied it that wow. You know, you, you listen to these guys that are teaching the modern game of tennis now. Peter was teaching that back in the 80s. I, I can, and so, you know, I learned, I was basically an independent pro, even though I was working for him and I was making nothing. But uh, right, right. it was the best five years of learning how to teach and learning how to study the game that I could ever ask for because I had not been around pros. I've had, I had one tennis lesson up until that point. Wow. Uh, yeah. So everything that I learned was watching and watching TV and, and you know, trying to emulate McEnroe or Connors or any of those guys. Sure. Back then. 
Wow. So learning how to teach. Peter wanted nothing to do with the business side. All he wanted to teach, and that's what he was great at. And so I stayed five years with him and started building up my reputation in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And then no salary, no benefits, no anything. And, um, you know, and going, okay, this is great. Uh, but I can, I can survive, but I can barely survive. And then a, a, a guy from Houston named Dennis Cahill <laughs> took, over, took over a club it called Maryland Farms in yep. Nashville. Yep. It's a YMCA now. And since I had this reputation, he came and asked me if I'd come work for him. And I said, you know, sure. He's going to offer me a salary. First time I'd had that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to, you know, benefits and all of those things that you can only dream about. Right. And um, and so I worked for him. And Dennis only stayed for just about a year. And he left. And here I go trying to talk my way in. And I talked my way <laughs> into the owner of Maryland Farms at the time. And it was not a YMCA then. It was just five right. owners. Uh-huh. It was more said, of a, was it, was it still more of a horse farm? Like they had horses? Or am I, am I, they, they had them around there. But okay. it was, it was purchased by five guys that were developing it as a business park. And it's that, it is that now. And they built this club as it, and you know Maryland Farms, it's a it's an athletic club. It's yes. a, mm-hmm. it's you know it's a lifetime yeah. type of thing. No no golf or anything like that. But right. tons of restaurants inside. We we did some great things there, but they they gave me the um, offered me the job to take over as director. So I stayed as the director for four more years. And you know we we did some fun things. We had a Virginia Slims tournament oh, that cool. I got. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I just can't. You you never know things. That is that James is. James Taylor used to come with him. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just, it never. I can't tell you the number of people that that I would see or be on court with um, anytime. So, just had a great staff. Uh, ended up becoming their athletic director. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I had a staff of, gosh, six kind of senior staff, all females. It was, mm-hmm. it was, I was, I was, I was the dad. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> you had an aquatics director, a fitness director, aerobics director, a racquetball director. Wow. And I'm sure the man my head pro, everybody was female, so. I was one of the girls at the time. You know, that, that really is, is remarkable to me in a lot of ways, even going back to you saying, you know, you guys in college would call into the van, you're six guys and you're one female coach, and then you're talking about you know, being a director and, and, and you were in leadership of um, all women. I mean, that, that's, that's not a story I hear that often, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but I, you know, it, 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 what I, at that time, it was, that, that was an incredible time, let me tell you. I was just, it, I was so blessed to be around all of those, and I'm still friends with all of those ladies now that, that you know, probably four of the seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going up to Nashville next week, and I'll see a couple of them next week. And, oh, cool. Okay. And so, but it, it's, yeah, it, it was a blessing that. Yeah, no, they they took care of me and uh, and and just 
they did their job. They were all professional, but it was, you know, I, I always tell like my staff here at the Atlanta Athletic Club, we're all eights, but uh, but everybody doesn't have the same weakness, and so we cover each other. Same thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just been blessed with people that that have strengths where I have weaknesses, and hopefully I have strengths where they have weaknesses, and we can just work together and, and blend. Well, nobody's a team. Well, wow. And that, that's, those are such good words. Thank you for that. Um, so you mentioned, um, you know, Peter as, as a mentor, who else would you consider mentors along the way? Wow. Um, he was one that really helped me get the confidence to teach. Of course, my dad was just a great man. He was, he was, if you wanted to be uh, a man's man, and and a guy that had both integrity and sincerity and mm-hmm. and what he did definitely i would i would say he i think you know now right now carmen garcia is a is a mentor of mine. Um, oh, wow. she's she's my assistant director mm-hmm. and, and over my ladies program and she is definitely a somebody that I look to to continue to learn from and we feed off of each other, but I, I respect her so highly and, mm-hmm. and who she is and how she handles this business that it, even after being in it for 37 years, I still learn from her. So she, uh, she was a mentor of mine. Um, gosh, you know, I can name Kevin <laughs> Carroll, my GM that's just leaving. Um, you know, you have mentors for different aspects of your of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a mentor that you know a, a couple that you want to emulate their their marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I have those. You have the mentors, people that are business people that that you know I want to I want to learn from them. So there's mm-hmm. so many. Joe uh, Joe Poland, another guy that was a businessman that I learned a ton from on mm-hmm. committees, how to, how to run a committee. And wow. that was the first committee I ever ran was at Maryland Farms. And, okay. and it was a volunteer committee. It wasn't required by the by the club to have committees since it was owned. Mm-hmm. But it sure helped me out um, a ton to watch him um, run our volunteer committees for the Virginia Slims and some of our focus groups. And it it, it was really, really solid to learn that. So that was early on in my life. I, I think it's so telling, you know, that, that you were so open to all the different facets of this business, even from early on, because um, I can just, in my own experience, I, I, I don't think I quite realized, you know, how, how big the sort of the tennis business was in my mind aside from oh you know you you teach some lessons and you have some kids and you have some teams and you have these ladies that come out and you do some socials and you know it took me a few years to really and being around some really great people like you said I mean I I also have been really really fortunate you know we we have a mutual friend in Thay Bucci and you know some of these people that really impacted my life but but, you know, it, it took me a while to really sort of grasp the fact that, oh, wow, you know, this is actually, you know, kind of, whoa, like <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a, a lot, a there's business. a lot here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's, 
you're you're right in two ways. I mean, my my mother would always just introduce me as, yeah, this is Jeff. He's my he's a tennis pro, and <laughs> my wife would get in the car and she'd go, she has no idea what you did. I'm like, no, no, I'm just a tennis pro. My brother's an entrepreneur, you know, because he had restaurants there in Burn. Because you don't see young pros, quality pros, coming into the profession because they don't understand, you know, the the size and the the, the scope of the business that That's it really, right. really can be. Sloughing around, hitting tennis balls is is not. That's a small part, and, mm -hmm. and I've been blessed because because I didn't start playing till late. I'm not mm -hmm. as good as some as some of the other pros on the court, but I spent my time on organization, running events, budgeting, the business side, and I think the, the time of studying the game with Peter, you know, learning the, the, how to teach. My strengths are the business side and the teaching. Playing, I'm okay, you know, mm -hmm. I'm I'm, mm -hmm. I'm an okay player, but but I'm not great, and I never never considered myself that. But uh, I've been successful because I I worked on the other two things, about uh, the business side and the teaching side, and so that's helped me succeed. Well, um, and I think I think that's something that has has struck me so much. I mean, I I really enjoyed um, your presentation this uh, last fall at the uh, Tennis Directors Conference in Hilton Head. And, you know, to hear you speak about, you know, how you lead your team and how and how you, you're you impacting their lives and the mentorship and then what goes into the service of your of the members of the club and, and, and yet you're still wanting to make sure that the players are improving and, and that it's athlete-centered. And, you know, there's so many aspects to it. And so I, I really enjoyed all the things that you had to say. And, and it just, it that helped me because, you know, when, when I was a young pro, you know, I was never considered myself a great player either. I started the game late by today's standards. And even though I did play juniors and, and play in college, I still, you know, I don't have some great, you know, fabulous, fancy playing background or anything. And so I always felt like I needed to, learn more and get certified more and do more. And, 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 and I'm so glad that I did my perspective on those things have changed a little bit, but I still, you know, believe in them. But, you know, I, I just think it's a testament to your journey that, that this is what you are so successful at doing and, and have been for a long time. And you're leading these other people in the industry. And like you spoke to a minute ago, we, we have a shortage of young pros. We need more people. <laughs> Oh, it's it's um, it's pretty scary, and and you know we're hiring. What are the best pros? They're the foreign players coming into mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's and and people don't realize it's it is a good it's a great business. Your own business days, but um, they just don't understand the fun and the love for it, and and the you know, I'm just sad fewer people are getting involved in it. It's really kind of my mission as I close out my career, not yet, but <laughs> as I close out my career, it's just like always in the front of me that 
I'm looking for great pros. I'm looking for people that I think that will be the next stars and, and help them get to that. I mean, we, every time I sit down with an employee, a brand new pro, it, it's what's your five-year goal? Cause I, mm-hmm. I want you out of here in five years, mm-hmm. you know, going mm-hmm. and being a, a head pro or a director. But, um, but when we sit down and go over their five-year goals, it's, you know, it's year number five. Have you done this to get to that point? No. Right. Well, you know, do you really want it? And, you know, every once in a while you have to sit back and, and, you know, build your mission statement. Start with your core values. Build your mission statement. And then and there's your personal strategy. So, I mean, that's – but it, it is sad that we're not getting the press we need to get. So I love both these people. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I love what you said about Carmen. You know, I've I've been fortunate enough to meet meet her as well, and and she is just so fantastic. And so I love what you're doing to to be a mentor to others. Um, you know, now that are sort of under your care, and and you know, helping them along the way. Um, so how would you say as, as you are mentoring the, the coaches under your care and have for, for years now, you know, how has your coaching style evolved and what do you encourage in, in, in their, you know, development? In their development? Wow. You know, I, I give them every opportunity to, to learn every aspect of the business. It's up to them grasp it but you know we'll we'll do exercises where i'll put an annual budget in front of them and go i want you to develop this budget wow that's one yeah um you know which is which is the last thing if you ask any pro that's not a director and pro on down the i i am i will bet you their weakest part is the budgeting part no i would panic i would panic yeah (laughs) And believe me, it's, it's, you know, my wife laughs at me sometimes because it's, I can, I can blow my checkbook, <laughs> but I, I can run a, you know, a million dollar company, you know, <laughs> using somebody else's money and, and hit budget by 1% one way or the other. But um, it is not hard. It's, it's, you, you got several different ways to do it. Uh, but budgeting is, is an easy thing. It's, it goes by history. It goes by planning and it goes a little bit by crystal ball. So you Mm -hmm. don't ever want to budget. You don't ever want to budget to impress your boss. You want to budget to be realistic. And that's, if you do that, you're going to, you're going to be able to save your job for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of pros, and I've done it early on and learned quickly that you know each year we got to grow. Each year we got to mm-hmm. grow. Well, mm-hmm. no, you don't. You know you have to be realistic, and that's that's true planning. And they they don't want any surprises. Right. So that's one. You know this this past year we did something because I I pay for everybody's association dues. Oh, that's great. Uh, whether yeah, whether they're PTR or USPTA, and it got to the point that they just. It, came in and gave me their invoice. <laughs> so this past year, I set a requirement that they had to pay it, but they had to hit certain hurdles and I would reimburse them. And you oh, know, nice. it was, it was a 10, 
uh, a USPTA or PTR function. They had to present at a GPTA a lunch and learn or okay. drill exchange. They had to write an article mm. for uh, the net news and they had to, if they were the director of juniors, uh, he had to pull in four or five of the directors of juniors in the area and sit down and brainstorm and have a meeting and then write it up. So that was pretty much their their requirement for me to continue to pay for their association dues and everybody hit it. You know, they, they understood and, and they hated getting out there and doing sure. a, a sure. presentation. Mm -hmm. But after they did it, they were very thankful. Um, oh, the that year, is great. Every, yeah. At, at the end of the year, everybody has a responsibility. You know, everybody's accountable for something. Mixed doubles or ladies or men's or mm -hmm. they, they all have a responsibility that they're accountable for. And so in December, we shut down for a day. Mm -hmm. A meeting, a day long meeting, just the staff. And we we talk about I, I do kind of a state of the union about the tennis <laughs> department from the overhaul pro, overall projection and, mm -hmm. and where we were, what I perceive us going in the next year. They have to get up and do a presentation on wow. what their last year was, what their hurdles were. They have they've built their own mission statements, so they have to present that. And it doesn't change every year, but we all read it. We all go over each person's job description just to make sure there's no, um, there's no, you know, gray areas that they understand from there. And we always talk about, you know, what's your personal goal? What's what's your personal goal? And it can be Carmen with having another. It's not a business goal. It's it's a personal goal that we are are going to try to help them. Um, attain over mm -hmm. the next year. And then what we do, so that's putting themselves out there in front of the staff. And then, in, and I just did this the first time this past year, is uh, I called a vision meeting for all the tennis members that open form. And we kind of did the same thing, but it, in a month, we're at State of the Union. Mm -hmm type of deal from where we were in 2017, where we're going in 18. Um, we went over the capital expenses. You know, tennis players always think that the board is never going to spend money on capital. Well, <laughs> I, I went back five years and I showed the membership how much the board had actually afforded five years. And, and then they go, oh, they really do spend money. And then I talked about we're getting big dollars this year. So and then each pro had to get up and do a five minute presentation on where they were last year, what the plans were for this year. And it really put them out again in front of um, the membership speaking and putting themselves out there and showing that I really am accountable for this department, which helps them grow. Oh, that's so good. Uh, yeah, and then I guess the last thing that, that I do is the staff, the, the, the major, contributors, Carmen, Jeff Stack, and Mike, when he was here, mm -hmm. attend the tennis committee meetings. Mm -hmm. so they can see how that's run. 
and they make their presentation, just give a quick brief on what happened that month. But they, they're they're sitting in a tennis committee meeting and learning how, you know, how a committee works. So, you know, they're learning the off-court stuff, um, which you and I both know is so important. Oh, so. it's so important. It's so yeah. important. Well, that um, was a lot more than you were probably asking for. No, no, that was that was fantastic. Like I said, I think we we could do a whole podcast series on <laughs> on leadership and team building and and <laughs> oh, yeah, mentoring yeah. and you know we could talk about all these things. There were so many good things in there. I mean, you know, you're 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 showing how much confidence you have in your staff and the fact that you believe in them, but you're also leading them a little bit out of their comfort zones, but that's also taking them maybe to a next level in their careers. And you're encouraging that. I mean, there's, there's, that was uh, packed full of so many things we could talk about. (laughs) Really, really good. Um, You know, so, so, you know, you, you you contribute so much um, with your leadership there with the staff and 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 they're lucky to have you and and that is just a, a yeah. fantastic thing for the industry all the way around. Um, so you know you've you've been in Georgia for for a while. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you've been at Atlanta Athletic Club for ten years and before that um, you were at the Landings Club in Savannah for eleven years. And before that, you were at Sawgrass. Yep. yep. And so I, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, over your time in the industry and, and everything that you've seen, you know, what what do you think we can do to, to continue to grow tennis? And what, what is sort of, you know, your feel on the state of the industry, you know, as far as growing the game? I, I'm going to use this, the philosophy that we were trying to do more of with our juniors and that is as tennis pros what are we trying to do we're just trying to teach lessons mm-hmm. but we're teaching lessons and and players are playing competitively but not necessarily having fun mm-hmm. we need to continue and it's something that i think is our weak leak right now and this is one of the goals for us is more socials more fun things whether it's juniors or adults to get people out and, and continue to make it social. I watch a group of our members that we started them playing two years ago in a tennis 101 program. And they were having a blast a year ago and <laughs> learning the game and getting together and starting a C8 or a 2.5 team. <laughs> and then two years later, I see the competitive ones peeling off from the, the friends that they drew into the into their teams and to the games and they've gotten themselves almost too competitive. Right. And so they've lost the the social side of tennis. And I, I, I think we as a profession have to get away from just teaching strokes to win to teaching the game to have fun and to be social and realize that it's, it is a social game first and then it becomes a competitive game later on, maybe. I want it to be social and fun more than I want it to be competitive. And we're, as professionals, we're driving it to be more competitive than social. And I know that's probably against a lot of people's philosophy, but I've just sat and watched. No, I I actually, I I really am am so glad that you bring this up because, you know, uh, 
I, I think that, you know, if we look at, and, and my, my few years working for the USDA now, you know, I can get in and look at numbers, which is not really my forte, but, but you know, we see that uh, across the board, you know, adult participation in tournaments is declining. I mean, that's an easy okay. one to see. Yeah, I mean, adult tournaments, because adults um, don't necessarily want to commit the time to an entire weekend of playing tennis and you don't necessarily know what you're going to get or what you're going to come up against. And, you know, that, that's, that's a lot to ask. And, you know, even tournament participation in the juniors, you know, that that's a whole nother conversation, but you know, it's, 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 it's different, you know, and across the board team play, you know, even though adult, adult tournaments are down, adult league play has done well because of exactly what you're talking about. The social, these ladies, you know, want to go to lunch after their match or, you know, it, it becomes a, a girl's weekend if, if everyone's going to go, you know, to state or, or to some tournament or something and play and it's fun and it's social and, and it's affirming. And, and, and so I think that it's something that we really need to take a serious look at and say, are we, are we listening to, you know, the people and are we giving them what we, are we offering what, what they want? And, and I completely agree, and I think that's just from the club, the Atlanta Athletic Club, we've fallen short with with that. Uh, and I can come up with every excuse in the world when I'm sitting in a committee meeting that we're competing with this, we're competing with that event over at the club, we're competing with, you know, whatever. But it, it's it's we have to put the effort into it to make it fun. We, we have to maybe take off a couple hours a week from teaching and do some better planning and be more creative so that we can make it more fun and it's not you know we have to have high energy and they'll have high energy that the member or the player will and uh, i think we just need to rededicate ourselves to let's make this social and fun and creative and and change things up and and you know we did a quick six mm-hmm. here with a hundred and you know, 110 players. Oh, wow. Great afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Just great afternoon. Um, you know, it was open to the public. And mm-hmm. then... had we, we probably had 20 members in it, but I bet you next time we'll have 40 because it goes back to what you said. It's not a full weekend. It's a round robin for a couple hours. The great format. They get a ton of tennis in and I have a 12 ladies and my ladies member guests mm-hmm. and 90% of it is the social time. Oh, sure. I used to have to, cap it. yeah, I used to have to cap it because I only had 16 courts and I would have a waiting list that was as, as many as that were signed up. Wow. And so I just decided I'm going to, you're going to play and sit and play and sit and play and sit. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, you won't sign up next year, but I, right. I can't imagine having third. And you know, everybody say, let's make it two days. That doesn't work. Right. right. You, you, you become disconnected. That, that just, yep. No. And so, you know, this year will be the third year we've done it and it'll be sold out again with 112 players. And, and, uh, it, they love the social side. They love the lunch afterwards. You know, you got to yep. be finished by one o'clock because they want the lunch and to spend the time together. So, I kind of talked in a circle there, but I'm just, I, I, I think we need to grow the fun. 
Oh, I agree. More than, more than the forehand and backhand. And I actually really love that phrase. I think I'm going to use that if that's okay, Jeff. You, you grow the fun. I, I, yeah. think, I think we just yeah. came up with a, a new phrase, but yeah, yeah. You know, gr- grow growing the fun. the fun. I mean, that that's huge. That's so, that's so, so important. And you know, it, it's just to keep the people engaged, keep our industry moving forward and, and, you know, listening to what, what is happening. You know, we have to be aware of what's happening and that things aren't, static that it's not just yep. going to stay the same you know and so we have to oh, yeah. listen and, and evolve with it um so what do you want um your legacy to be you 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 have so much that you've done already i mean you, you present at, at all these conferences you you mentor so many people you've been doing this what what do you want for your my, legacy my well uh, you know your legacy is is I will use the analogy, you know, for my kids. Everybody, you got great kids, and I'll say, well, my job's not done until I see their kids. So it's the same way from a tennis profession. My job's not done until I develop the directors that will have the same love, the same uh, passion, the same caring for the profession that I did. And, mm-hmm. you know, my legacy is, are the, you know, Andrew Manelli's or the Jeff Hedges or the, the Jim Mocks or the Eric Moss, the guys that moved on to be directors at other places, the Magnus Berglunds, the all of the guys that are now at great clubs and directors and hopefully, um, um, you know, continue the passion and the growth and the love of the game to keep it alive. And, and, you know, and, and that they exact same thing they develop. And I talk to those guys all the time about developing their staff mm-hmm. and have a it's people. Yep. It's definitely people. So I am very much looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Um, the you, you, Atlanta Athletic Club, you are hosting the USPTA Southern Convention um, this year. And yes. That's going to be fantastic. And you're also presenting, I, I believe. Is that right? Yes. I'm presenting the uh, eight characteristics of a healthy tennis program. Um, it's one that I started. It's funny. I was in church one day, and the pastor was talking about the twelve characteristics of a healthy church. <laughs> and and I, you know, of course, when I should have been sitting there listening, I started <laughs> thinking about, gosh, what are the characteristics of a healthy tennis program? And uh, so I sat down and and wrote a bunch of emails to buddies of mine across the country. Even sent out emails to my membership here, and just said. Mm-hmm. Give me a list of what your characteristics of a healthy tennis program are and feed give me the feedback wow so they all sent information back and it was a ton of information great response and and so i sat down and and started putting it all together and came up with eight characteristics uh i was trying to get to 12 but i think i've got up a healthy checkup on their tennis program or learn <laughs> from it and uh you know they might learn something out of it so oh that i am really looking forward to your presentation i um i think i think that's going to be fantastic and i just um I, I thank you so much for for all that you do for the industry and have 
Um, and so do you have anything you want to say, sort of parting words, anything uh, as, we, as we finish our, our time for today, I hope that we, like I said, I think we could talk for, we could, we could do podcasts. Oh, yeah. yeah. We could just keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I hope, I hope we do this again, but uh, any, anything you want to share more today before we, we, we part ways? Well, and I say, I, you know, I, and I, Jenny, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the people that continue to, to uh, show their love and again passion for the game i mean it's it's getting the word out i mean you guys that i'm a 59 year old guy that doesn't know much about social media and you all are you all are taking it to the next level and and getting it out and meeting the needs of a younger generation and i just think that is so important i'm i'm trying to keep up with it but uh, that's the blessing i have of hiring young pros because I know that I can't follow that lead or have the time or just too dumb, but nah. um, but uh, just thrilled that uh, you guys are out there and, and your time with the USTA. You know, it's USTA is so important to us as professionals and, and players that uh, we need to continue to to support the USTA both locally and, and regionally and, and nationally, but it's it's people like you that keep us fired up and and just so much appreciate what you're doing well wow you just made my day those are some ah. very kind words thank you <laughs> but um, well, I just true. Think, you know, so that's, goodness. That's wow my goodness that's well well you know gosh uh jeff you know thank thank you so so much for your time today and i really look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at the beautiful atlanta athletic club and um we'll see you soon <laughs> Appreciate it. Have Thank a great you day, so okay. much. You too. All right.